Conversations After Show, everyone. If you are listening to this, you are probably a patron, and uh, yeah, if you are not, uh, you should become one. Today, I have with me two wonderful patrons. I've got Aaron and Kate, and um, I thought we could talk about sort of what it's like to be a woman even in the IDW critical spaces, because there are so few of us. Like, I mean, there are very few in the IDW, and then there are also very few in the IDW watching, IDW critiquing (laughs) spaces. And so a lot of the critique I find tends to miss some stuff because it comes from a very, like, cis, white dude perspective usually and so yeah that's what I thought we could talk about but first let's uh introduce you guys I've got one new-ish patron and one older patron Kate how are you I think you've been a patron from my very very early days yes I think I think I've been a patron oh it's it's definitely been years but I, I can't remember exactly when it was probably around 2016 or 17 maybe 2016 I think yeah yeah wow that's it's so cool to to be connecting with someone like that for so long so I, re- I really appreciate that and uh, you have a very interesting background why don't you tell me more about that oh okay um I kind of got into um your work because I was studying I was doing my undergrad um and I was majoring in Islamic studies and Islamic history and uh, your podcast was recommended to me by my brother, who was a listener. Oh. Um, and, yeah, and I, I just, I, I absolutely loved it. And, and I had actually already started listening to Sam Harris and, and you know, some of those people. So uh-huh. um, I'm glad that he recommended you <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know where I'd be now if he didn't, um, hopefully the same place, but. You never know. So back then, I was probably like uh, still a Sam Harris fan, sort of, or like yes, yeah, you were, yeah, uh, yeah, you definitely were. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about but, that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Um, no, I, it's I. It would be a bit rich for me to be critical of that because uh, <laughs> bit hypocritical. But um, yeah, so I was uh, studying Islamic studies and and. It's interesting thinking back now because, you know, I continued with that and then I did 
um, my honours in Islamic studies and I kind of got more into feminism and began combining the two and continued on to do a PhD in Islamic studies and specifically in Islamic feminism, which I finished. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, It was a big turnaround really in, in my way of thinking and um, yeah, so I, I finished that last year and I now work uh, as a researcher for um, two dif- different organisations. I won't name them, but um, yeah. one is a family violence organisation and the other one is a organisation that focuses on Muslim women's equality in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it it is really interesting to kind of think about the 180 <laughs> that I did going from a Sam Harris fan mm, to yeah. where I am now. It's strange to look back. Oh, I know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been on a similar journey, but I mean, I am no Islamic studies PhD. So that's really interesting. <laughs> what, uh, what made you want to study that subject? Everyone always asks me this and, and I don't really know other than it was a bit of an accident. I had, I had one leftover subject in my first year of my undergrad and my partner just said to me like, oh, why don't, why don't you do a, this Islamic studies subject? You know, you've, I went in exchange to Jordan in high school. So, wow. um, yes. So, so it's like, you know, you, you, you're interested in this, just do that. And I, and I went to the class and it was within the first five minutes. So I was like, okay, this is definitely my, my major. It was, I, I just instantly fell in love with it. That's, uh, that's fascinating. I mean, I can't, I personally cannot imagine majoring in Islamic studies. Um, well, well, it was with a, um, sorry, I'll, I'll let Erin Aaron give her intro in a second, but it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't theology. So it was, it was with, um, a, it was, I would say there was a, a balance between teachers who were critical hmm. um and looking at it in a more critical way and and teachers who were muslim themselves so it was you kind of got um a, a few different perspectives and the classes themselves were were split between um muslims and non-muslims and and so it wasn't ah. it wasn't really like yeah it wasn't theology by any means got it got it that sounds really interesting if you did get to like hear about things from a critical perspective that I would definitely be interested in. Wow. Yeah. Especially in the discussions in class, it was definitely, um, there's some interesting discussions and, and interesting motivations for people doing the major as well. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And did they ever like teach Sam Harris or IDW content in this, in this, uh, um, actually no, no, uh, definitely not but we did I did do um an Islam in the media subject and there was some Ayan Hasieli content Uh so that is interesting and thinking back now it was the the teacher was not very critical oh which surprises me Hmm. yeah interesting very interesting um and then we have Aaron from my half of the world (laughs) (laughs) yes hi how are you doing i'm i'm so glad that all three of us could find a time to talk it's always very hard to schedule with people uh, in australia new zealand japan so thank you guys for for being available today oh absolutely 
Um, but yeah, Aaron, tell me more about yourself. I think you've just recently become a patron and we've chatted a bit and yeah, yeah. sounds like we have a lot of things in common too. Yeah. It's been really, really nice. I, um, I went to, uh, San Francisco when I was 18. So I, um, that was kind of my, in lieu of college, I went to a big city and, uh, dove into what that would be like with, uh, very, very few family members. I had like a cousin that lived in the city. Um, Mm. so my early twenties, uh, all the way through my thirties were away from politics with the exception of, um, some anti-war protests Mm. and my sister at the time. Um, so she's a co-founder of Iraq veterans against the war, uh, which has since transitioned now now they're called about face. Um, and it's still veterans that are against war. Mm -hmm. She is not a member anymore, but that was a huge influence in just, um, like the way that my politics were going to be as Mm -hmm. an adult and, um, really inspiring from both of us growing up in a town in Colorado where you just join the military. It's just kind of what people do, especially if they want to go to college. And, so I almost joined the military. I was just disqualified for, um, scoliosis. Otherwise I would definitely have gone and done something. And I'm just so grateful for my crooked spine, honestly. Wow. So it was after that, that, um, Sam Harris and Bill Maher and, um, John Stewart, a lot of the television personalities that were really outspoken against the Iraq war, Mm -hmm. but also from an atheist perspective that really spoke to me. Sam Harris wasn't though against it. If I remember correctly, he was all about that. Right. Gosh, that's funny. I was like, (laughs) I just remember him in, in some debates at the time, like it was Christopher Hitchens was debating a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and my dad was, was the one to really turn, turn on those debates in that particular uh, Richard Dawkins and um, and Christopher Hitchens. And with my dad, it's kind of funny given, I think with him, it was a real religious backlash once he started to see the way that, um, that the religious right in the United States was going along with everything. Mm-hmm. And um, whatever religious background he had growing up, it just didn't jive anymore with his politics. And so ever since he's been very, um, very anti-religion. Oh. And really it's been, and so lately, So does your dad listen, like, listen to that content, like, of uh, Sam Harris and Dawkins he, and stuff? He doesn't really, he, I think he was more, he definitely was into Hitchens a lot and read his books and everything. It didn't really cross over into even Bill Maher, um, anyone that was, I think just because he doesn't watch television, he's a real reader. So all of the stuff that he was getting was, was books. And he went down a lot of nine 11 as a conspiracy wormholes and stuff. So I've, I've definitely had to be aware of the things that I listen to Hmm. when it comes to, if it comes from my dad. Um, but lately really it was that, you know, once Trump started to rise to power, it was clear that this was, an important thing to be paying attention to again. And, mm-hmm. um, and my life changed, you know, I got older. I wasn't, I was a lot more in tune with this stuff just on a natural way. Mm-hmm. 
Same. Yeah. And and that's really when I kind of went through a really short-lived love affair with Bill Maher and his, his show and just going from feeling like, yeah, there's all this, uh, rhetoric against Trump that I really love and that I can get behind and is funny. And, you know, I think some of the things that he says are, is funny. And then that, that helped a lot given I mean, I'm a real child of The Daily Show. Like, mm-hmm. I really grew up on it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just, it like pretty instantly turned. I think that as soon as I started to recognize the maneuvers that he was pulling, and especially just his his anti-millennial rhetoric just got to be so oh, yeah. just blatant and, and silly. And like, there wasn't really a point ever or a solution offered. It was just like, he was standing on his front porch with his cane, like yelling at teenagers. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what he's turned into. Like there's very little daylight between, you know, what I see on, uh, Dennis, Prager's timeline or Ben Shapiro's and Bill Maher's. And I mean, I used to be a a big fan of his too, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, now looking back, I can see that a lot of these guys had it in them like all along. You can see like evidence of it, like in hindsight, but in the moment, um, I guess I was very easily, uh, convinced that they were acting in good faith. No pun, Mm -hmm. no pun intended. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It, it felt like, um, did you watch his, uh, um, documentary? Is that even what I should be calling it? His movie, religious Bill Mars. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah. yeah, that really spoke to me at the time, especially, I think I was, I'm not sure when that movie came out. Um, wasn't it like early 2000s, like 2006, I say 2005, something like that? Or was it after Yeah, that? it's funny because I graduated high school in 2001. Hmm. It was 2008. It oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. So it was a while after that. Yeah, gosh, it's hard to piece my historical timeline from high school together because I was so, so rallying against like a very religious just culture. Mm-hmm. So I, I can completely relate to that. And that I think like can leave you vulnerable to some very reactionary anti-religious types. Yeah. So even- it was surprising to find, I think with Bill Maher, the biggest surprise for me was when I had heard about him having real woo, like when it comes to health science being really mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he, had this guy Charlie Sheen's doctor oh gosh like injected his blood into his own arm oh god it's just the craziest thing I could think of for Bill Maher to platform this person mm. and that really like opened my eyes to just oh this guy doesn't know what he's doing yeah yeah he's just a a regular right winger that yeah. happens to like weed and, uh, you know, yeah, and exactly. dislikes religion. Um, yeah. So then after that, he was all platforming Milo, then Peterson and Kate, did you watch the religious documentary when it came out? Yeah. Did you like I, it I at the time? I didn't watch it when it came out. I watched it some years later, probably when I was, um, 
getting into Sam Harris and everything. Mm. And I I did, I actually did like it at the time. I remember watching that and I just kind of went through all of the anti-religion documentaries, like that one. And um, what was that one um, about the Orthodox Jewish communities in New York? It was about it. Do you remember that one? Did either of you watch it? The Netflix one? Yeah, no, it wasn't Netflix. I watched it on YouTube, but I think it's on Netflix now. Um, it was, yeah, it was about that something steps or about that that group that kind of helps Jewish people out of the oh, Orthodox communities. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. I, yeah. I watched that one, and and there must have been a few other ones, but yeah, I did I did go through all of them, mm. and I, I can't even remember that clearly, but I remember I remember liking it at the time. Yeah, and. Uh, I remember watching Bill Maher's movie and thinking even then that something about it bothered me because the way that he treated Islam was very different from how he treated all the other religions. It was Mm -hmm. all like, oh, terrorists, danger, evil. And the other ones were like, oh, goofy clowns. Mm -hmm. Uh Ha-ha, so silly. Yeah, so that that bothered me then. But, uh, yeah, it it really says a lot, too, today. To, to see the things that are being downplayed by the same group of people today, mm-hmm. which is similarly like white supremacy is not that big of a deal. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad. It's like Sam Harris's classic, uh, sentence was what, uh, what was fringe it? Of the fringe. fringe of the fringe. Fringe of the fringe. It's just, uh, it's just like captured the presidency. <laughs> it's captured the, the left. The leftists have captured every single institution in the U.S. <laughs> exactly, except the presidency. And you know, white supremacy. And the presidency is inconsequential, so yeah, yeah. that doesn't count. <laughs> right. Exactly. Extremely fringe. Um, but that must, uh, be interesting to observe as someone who like has a PhD in Islamic studies to just observe these guys rhetoric and the sort of tricks that they have, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, I mean, it's, it's tricky because I, I'm honestly unsure whether, they were always like this and whether it's my mindset has changed or whether they have gotten considerably worse. I think it's, it's probably, it's my mindset has definitely changed, but Mm -hmm. I think, um, also, you know, the, the social and political conditions that they're having these conversations in definitely matters as well. Exactly. Um, so a bit of both, I think. Yeah, definitely a bit of both. But it, but it is interesting because when I was at uni early on, I think I I still, when I was getting into all of this new atheism stuff, I still mm-hmm. preferred it when they criticised Christianity. I still mm-hmm. thought it was more interesting and more amusing because mm-hmm. I suppose, yeah, you could make a joke out of it mm-hmm. a bit. Um, but I still thought that it was fair that someone like Sam Harris at the time was focusing a lot more on Islam, particularly because when I started uni was when, or like a bit into my, yeah, when I started uni was when, you know, ISIS was mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. in its heyday. Um, 
so it felt to me at the time like it was an important thing to focus on. Yeah. And so I wasn't super critical of that. But the platform has been there for these guys. Like, obviously, it was there for us when we came along and and caught wind of these guys and were, like, turned on by them. And then... Turned um, on is not not, not a word I would use. My my sexy news daddy, my my John Stewart's. um, They... But the platform, the platforms were so different, and with social media, it really does feel like everything that it speeds up. You know, it really is like the human experience is. It feels like it yeah. gets put on this trajectory. It's just so fast, mm-hmm. and the incentives for them became so clear so fast. It's like within days, you can tell exactly how you need to and the hatred for women that mm-hmm. comes from language like that when when the go-to is in a moment of like deep uh, emotion and anger on his part mm-hmm. when it comes out as like I have a vagina yeah exactly it's just like that's just a hatred for vaginas like and and I couldn't ever get past that as a you know, as a woman. And so it's easy for me to have like one little thing Mm -hmm. to say to anyone in the family or, you know, anyone in the world, really like Mm -hmm. go listen to this one clip, but you know, unless you're not a woman because misogyny is so deep. Yeah. Well, and also in the context, the context of him laughing along with like other comedians talking about forcing women to perform oral sex on them and just, Mm -hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's not just anti-vax stuff. Yeah. And it just, the way it, um, the way that it's invisible to men, uh, it's really eye-opening. And I don't. um, (laughs) That's right. You know, I must confess, look, this is a patron-only podcast, so (laughs) not everyone will hear this, but I do enjoy um, you can see where they stop, like which part of Dave Rubin's path they want to, like, they want to go up to this point in the Dave Rubin timeline, but they don't want to cross over. <laughs> um, the Dave Rubin model. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I, yeah. So for me, it's very, I think, interesting and important to expose people that might slip under people's radars. Whereas, Obvious extremists like Richard Spencer or whatever, I feel like anyone and, well, almost anyone uh, should be able to spot that and denounce it. And You're just sitting there going, what did you really just say that? <laughs> oh, my gosh, um, yeah. But, but in the same way of in, in that also being kind of um, – indicative of how male-dominated this area is, even when he made that comment about you being crazy Mm. and it was just laughed off. I I don't see a valid excuse for that. And um, when Chris came on to to speak with you about that and he did give an explanation, Mm -hmm. I just don't, I, I just don't, by that I just don't think that um it would have you could have said it in a way that didn't result in him just going 
you know, over and over why he doesn't like you, you just, yeah, you can just, there's, you can just say, well, okay, well, um, I don't mm. agree with that, but let's move on. It's just, it's so, it's so, there is so much weight to calling a woman crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I, I don't know how people don't understand the connotations of those words and can just let it go by like that. It's just so obvious when you hear, honestly, it was when I heard you talk to Chris, Ina, that it just, it was like the idea of a woman even being in this space. It's like it hadn't even crossed my mind. I don't know anyone in real life that um, anymore who's a fan of Sam Harris, but I would be so interested to have a real life conversation with someone who still listens to his stuff because I, I wonder, you know, he would have so many, he would have hundreds of thousands of listeners. Well, he has that over How many millions? Yeah. So I wonder, you know, there would be a small degree, there'd be some of them that are really into mega fans who follow everything that he does. And then there would be some listeners who just kind of, oh, yeah, he has good ideas on this topic or that topic. And I just, I wonder (laughs) what it would would be like to have these discussions offline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm always tempted to invite on a Sam Harris fan because I think I could have a lot of fun with that. But then I also don't want to do this, you know, manufacturing a contentious conversation yeah, yeah. for clicks kind of thing. If it happens organically, then it happens. But I do provide a lot of backing to the points that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yes. that's why I, that's where I think, you know, that, the gender as well comes into this again because you don't really get given as many concessions as a lot of other people who are critical in this space. Yeah, for sure. And I hear that in the way that people, whenever you raise a criticism um, in your podcast or even online or whatever, people are straight into talking about the way you frame that criticism and the way the way that you use sarcasm or you were a little mm-hmm. bit mean about it you nice. um, and that's yeah. all they focus on when that is just what everyone in this space does everyone laughs about it because some of the things that these people say are just laughable and ridiculous and it's very easy to pinpoint where they're wrong yeah and they just use your snark as as I always say as a way to discredit what you're saying and I I am completely convinced that this would never happen if you're a white man making these podcasts yeah probably not in fact um they're they're I won't name who it is because this person oh okay so last summer There was an article in Salon by Phil Torres called, uh, I think it was titled, How How New Atheists Merged with the Far Right. And to my surprise, there was a bunch of, like, podcast bros whom I was quite friendly with up to that point. And, you know, they I thought they totally agreed and got what was going on because they have in the past been critical of Harris. And, but they started to get super defensive about the term new atheism. And they put out these extremely pedantic, 
defenses. I mean, if you go back in my catalog mm-hmm. in to summer of last year, you'll find like podcasts talking about this new atheism merging with the far right stuff. But, uh, yeah, so these bros, they started to get very defensive and started lashing out in very, very unreasonable ways, like completely blown out of proportion uh, because I mildly criticized uh, some of the defensive takes that they put out. And so it got very, very out of hand and there was, like, ridiculous accusations being hurled, like the... But the thing is, he doesn't have that power, but the power that he does have is a podcast where he can spread ideas to millions of people, mm-hmm. and he chooses to use that platform to spread mm-hmm. right and far-right ideas. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really – I'm not interested in focus on focusing on what Sam would do in a hypothetical, you know, made-up sense. It's more interesting to me and more relevant, obviously, what he actually does. And he's definitely not doing anything for the left. He doesn't care about the left. He's doing the opposite. His sympathies, yeah. Of caring, yeah, about the left. He's, like, hating on and demonizing the left constantly. (laughs) That's all he cares about. But even in the hypothetical, I thought it was interesting because it's so... Access this brand new Patreon exclusive series by becoming a patron today. 